Shalom Ubracha. We are going to go through together a piece in a new sefer that came out, sefer by Yamdar Kechor, Vichimayra, and Elul and Yerachay Sonim. We are starting on page Mem Aleph. As we go into it, we learn it together. I wanted to maybe just offer a couple of things that I was thinking about. Maybe you had uh, some thoughts, different thoughts, similar a framework for thinking about it going forward. But uh, just to share, uh, we approach Elul. Elul is. Uh, Elul is an interesting time, a lot of conflicting thoughts, emotions, we try, work on the same things uh, this year and past years. On one hand, Elul is a time of relationship building, on the other hand, it's a, it's a time of it's time of tshuva, sometimes it can lead, we'll see in the piece, to, uh, to katnas, almost a chalisha sadas, as we work on, on similar things that perhaps we were working on in past years. But we take a step back, Elul is part of the season going into Yom Noram. Let's think about Yom Noram for one second, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Aser Tshuva. Rosh Hashanah is Yom Adin. Rosh Hashanah is the day the world was created, Hayyam Haras Oilam. On one hand, we don't even really talk about uh, Tshuva on Rosh Hashanah. Really, it's a day of Malchus, even insofar as it's the first two of Aser Tshuva. Uh, we actually recorded uh, some of the Vadim in past years on this season in Sefer Ali Shar, if you want to go back and, and listen to them. But there's Rosh Hashanah, and then it's going into Yom Kippur. So Rosh Hashanah is Be'esem, a, a, a world holiday. It's a human holiday. Yom Kippur is a very Yiddish holiday. Yom Kippur is when a the Malam and Ateva, when Moshe Rabbeinu came down with the Lucha. So if we think about Elul, Elul is really the 40 days Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to Har Sinai, comes down with uh, with uh, with the second Luchas, uh, almost independent of Rosh Hashanah. On the other hand, we're, we're working up in Elul to Yom Naraim, we're getting ready for Yom Hadin. So let's focus for a second on some of the preparation on what we're building going into Rosh Hashanah. Even Rosh Hashanah and Kippur itself, by the way, you know, it would seem to make sense that that in terms of our Avaida, we should have a Yom Kippur before we have a Rosh Hashanah. Yet we should have a day of tshuva, kslicha, mechila, kapara, wiping ourselves clean before we have Yom Adin. It seems a little dangerous to have Yom Adin before we have this this magical day, as it were, this lamalam and way day of kapara. But the Yom Adin itself is a little bit strange. We're doing tshuva. We're saying HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give us din v'cheshbin. We have to do tshuva. When should it really be? Yom Adin should be'etzem be the last day of the year. If we think about the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu create, is creating a year at a time, Rav Shimshin Pinkus, I heard from Ashir once, he said that if a person has a piece of furniture, it has, some, it has a scratch, it's not in the newest condition, they're not necessarily going to throw it away. But if a person's going to buy a new one, so they would think long and hard before buying something that already had a scratch, it seemed to be not in perfect condition. We're presenting ourselves on Yom Adin. Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the year. We're asking Kaddish Baruch Hu that he should invest a new year of kaychus, of potential in us, of, of chayim, so that we can uh, so that we can go forward. So th- these are going to be the seeds. This is going to be what we have to work with during the year. Rosh Hashanah is day one. So when we're leading up to Rosh Hashanah, and certainly if you think of Rosh Hashanah as the day that uh, we said at Yom Rasalam, the world was created, the Gemara talks about whether it was Tishrei, it was Nisan, but we say that it wasn't even that the world was created on Rosh Hashanah, the, the Tafkid of the world was created on Rosh Hashanah, Adam, Adam was created on Rosh Hashanah, really the world and the stage of the world, the Hachana of the world was created, you could say, at the end of Elul. 
right? So Elul is a time, besides, on one hand, we have, we related to Yom Kippur, we have the Kapara, it's a time that maybe we're on edge, or in a little bit in conflict with the need of Daidi this Hachana, this relationship building. On the uh, we, we, we define who we are and we define our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which actually jibes very well. Rosh Hashanah or B'Kabal Olam Al HaShemayim. On one hand, you could say, let's get the Kapara before Yom HaDin. On the other hand, or B'Kabal Olam Al HaShemayim, we define ourselves and who we are, L'Maisa, and then we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're going to don us in Aravirus, you're going to look at Aravirus in the context of who we are now. Uh, at this point, we can clean up the spilled milk. I am a fully committed, I'm not, I'm no longer a rebellious person, and you can look at my Averis in that context. I'm a Kabbalah Omar HaShemayim. I'm 100 fully percent fully committed. I joined the army. There's no way out. I'm 100% an Ebed of the Melech. And now you're looking at the fact that in my previous life I did some Averis. So now it's much easier maybe to get a Kapara for those Averis. So we have this, a little bit of this tension over here. Elul now is the day of relationship building. It's the day that the world was created. And it was the time period that the world was created. You may rutzen. What comes before creation? A rutzen. It's they may rutzen before Adam was created. It's also the day that the world is, is, is set up and established and the entire framework is set up for mankind to succeed and be created in Yom Adin. But Yom Adin is not the day of judgment in the past. It's the day of judgment going forward. But it's not fake. It's real. So what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? We have this time period, Lemaisa, where we can now prepare ourselves with, with unbelievable siyat deshmaya, again, from a relationship, from Yimei Rachmim, from Ani Ledoidi Vidoidi Li, and a day where HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps us get in touch with we can attach ourselves to the to Elikim Chaim, to the Eitzah Chaim, it's all one, and, and instead of identifying ourselves by our baggage and by our machitzas, we can get in touch with, with who we really are, so that comes Yom Hadin, we have this, this period of preparation that it's going to be day one of the rest of our life. It's Yom Hadin not looking backward, but it'll be Yom Hadin going forward, and we have all these things. I'm just going to read a few lines from Rabbeinu Yoni, Yisaita Tshuva, uh, it's in the Art Scroll Machser, if you want to take a look at it. Uh, it's uh, page 6, I'm looking, okay, but it, 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 it's, I, have, I happen to have the Hebrew-English one, it's in the Hebrew one also. It says, mm-hmm. A person wants to come to Tshuva, what is he going to do? You want me to explain to you how a person, how a person should act? How does a person do tshuva? Nobody's perfect, but when a person is weighed down by baggage, then it's going to affect their path going forward. But think about a person starting the movie of life, right? You never look, open up a book, you never open up a movie, and it starts when the day that the person is born. It doesn't work like that. A person, the, the movie starts, and a person is whatever age they are. It starts, it starts in the middle, it's the beginning of that story, but it's the middle of the person's life. So a person wakes up their eyes, they say, Maidani, and they wake up. They're 20 years old, they're 30 years old, 40 years old, whatever it is. Now, part of their job, they come with a memory, they come with a history, they come with certain challenges, certain strengths, certain weaknesses, but those weaknesses are part of their story on day one. It's not that that's holding them back, that invigorates them, that's their project, that's their tafkit of their story. When a person comes to do tshuva, they open up their eyes, and today, every day, is the first day of the rest of their life. I was born today with a memory. 
I was born today with a memory and with, with, with certain things on my plate. But the fact that I have this memory of having done these Averis, there's certain things that I have to deal with, those are not demerits against me. Those are not baggage. Those are not holding me back. They're not liabilities. Those are just defining my task. There's nothing to feel negative about. Today is the first day of the rest of my life, and that's an invigorating thing. If I had no weaknesses to work on, I had no strengths to leverage, then what would my tafkid be? So yes, there are certain things Things that I have built into, but it's not day number one. So first of all, today I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to do my best going forward. I, I have no negative momentum. The, so we, we're coming to do tshuva, we're coming to El, we're coming to establish a relationship. The hardest part is the lethargy, perhaps the atzvus, the yish. El is going to be an invigorating time. We're going to do tshuva, we're going to relationship build, and we're going to understand that today is the first day of the rest of our lives, and it's a tremendous time when, like we said, the world was created. We are going to enter into the time that is setting us up to accomplish our tafkir and Rosh Hashanah on Yom Adin of being Lemaisa, the first day of creation when HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to grant us Chaim. Elul is that time when the world is most suited to set us up for success. And now we're going to jump into the piece uh, and, and, and hopefully it's going to be Letayeles and it's going to set us up with the right headspace in order to maximize our our uh, time during Elul, not to get burnt out or not to just avoid, but to give us something to think about and to be able to set us up for a meaningful uh, meaningful Rosh Hashanah and a meaningful Aserah Simei and uh, Yom Kippur and give us uh, an area to focus. Page Mem Aleph, Mahi Tshuva, Perak Aleph. Rabbim Shailim Belibam, well, maybe we'll read a little bit quickly. I would like to finish the piece if we can. We'll read uh, some of the footnotes, not necessarily all of them. Rabbim Shailim Belibam, Mahi Mahusam Shalayam Akadashim Shachaydish Elul. What is Elul Mai Derachavod Elamaisa Behem? Practically speaking, what are we working on? Kimitzad Echad Matsinu Shemei Elul Nekrayim Yemei Harachim Vaslichais. On one hand, it's a very merciful time. We said relationship building. It's a time that if there are things that are holding back, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be merciful and he's going to, uh, to help us come forward with with with, with everything that uh, with everything that, that comes along with. All we have to do is make ourselves into Kalim. We have to pick up the phone. We have to be receptive. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is drawing us in. Just allow yourself to be drawn in. And this was established for Dairais from the time like we said we relate really to Elul we mentioned the Chazal that talks about that the world was created really at the end of Elul however that's uh, okay so that's already I guess from Chafhei Elul but the what we relate to Elul that Moshe Rabbeinu went to Har Sinai in preparation for the greatest power of Slicha Mechila that was ever that, that ever came into the that that, that ever came, get, we were granted access to. It's a scary time. On one hand, Elul is a time, it's a Simchadik time, it's a Rachman time, it's love. And on the other hand, it's a scary time. So there's a tension over there. 
So dealing with this, and we I think we addressed it a little bit in the uh, in in the introduction that we gave, and the, the, he's it's in this vein. How do we relate to Elul? We're going to discuss another question. Person now sits to make a chesed and nefesh. How did how did the year go? Elul. We said that Rosh Hashanah is day one, but Elul is certainly the last uh, the last month of the year. Which again, we think about Elul as kind of going into Rosh Hashanah. But Elul is the last month of the year. Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the year. They're actually on bookends. Azai, Azai, Maras As a person thinks back on all of the things that they haven't worked on, uh, the person is very susceptible to atzvus, sadness, depression, lethargy. Though we've quoted many times the Tanya's example that if there's two wrestlers, even if one is stronger than the other, if the stronger one is ba'atzvus, he's not going to win. So the person who's enthusiastic, who's alive, that's the person that's going to win. So a person is supposed to make a cheshben and nefesh in a productive way, and it's actually leading to atzvus, which is going to prevent him from being productive. In this in this avodah, is that davar kaiv ma'ayd she'alu ligrain she'kol esek atshuva yemborgash kinyan kavid v'kashel nefesh. If the whole point is to do tshuva, and therefore a person starting with cheshben and nefesh, and the way that he goes about this is going to end up actually causing barriers, it's going to prevent him from engaging in a proper way in tshuva. It's an uncomfortable avodah, but not just that it's uncomfortable; it actually ends up being counterproductive. Not only is a person not going to do tshuva in a productive way, even the the things that he does good, let's say, I mean, just by way of analogy, let's say a person is 70% good in fila, or for that matter, a person is 30% good in fila, 70% bad. If a person is going to take that those part, points of challenge, those areas for opportunity, and he's going to become ba'atzvus over them. So not only will he be 70% good in feeling and 30% bad, he'll become so uh, so upset that I'm davening to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and these, this is how I'm acting. He'll become so upset over that 30%, he's also going to lose the 70% that he's doing well. He's going to lose out. Let me just at least focus on my strengths. Let me forget the avod of Elul. Note 22. People have a Yerida during Elul. I mean, especially against the buildup of Elul. Uh, We talk about the way that people used to treat Elul and in the olden days, and it was an unbelievable period of Osiris, and and how come I'm not feeling it? Elul could be a tremendously down time. We have have so many, and that's, that's because, besides for the expectations, but over here, People will feel a tremendous nefila during Elul, at, uh, even if they're engaging, not just that they're comparing and saying, how come they used to feel it, and all the Sfarim and all the Gedalim talk about Elul, and I feel nothing. If a different person starts to engage in Cheshben and Nefesh, they're not going to feel it. I, I, I want to feel, that's my, I want to get close to a Kaddish Baruch when I'm feeling nothing. Elul is a time that, that a person could be very susceptible, unfortunately, to feeling katnus. Gamalula up in the text list, Gane believe Hargoshas Yush. 
that a person can mamish get to to, to giving up hope. Echad sliach l'sakin is called b'chaydish echad. I'm I'm trying to fin- I'm I have a, got myself a notebook. I'm going to make a cheshbon and nefesh. Even assuming that I can get past the the, the initial atzvus, so now I have my game plan. That was also a very busy time. Already, it's hard enough if a person's let's say in yeshiva and they have a full time day to work on Tyra, Avoda, it's wonderful. El is also a very busy time. Many people are busy with family obligations, depending on the camp schedule, the school schedule, work schedules. And on top of that, I'm supposed to do all of this in a month. On the best of times, it would be hard. Listen, last year I was also from, and last year I was also a Balavoda, and guess what? I didn't get very far. What am I doing really that much differently this month than I did during Elul last year? And he mentions in the footnote, I'm working not only don't I feel like I got anywhere, I'm actually working on the same thing. Somebody told me a story that a friend of his went to their Rebbe and said, you know, what should I work on? So the Rebbe told him, why don't you take out your notebook, make Cheshbon and Nefesh, and look at the things that you were working on in previous years when you made a thorough cheshbon and nefesh, and you and pick one of those to pick up again. So he said, "What do you mean?" So the rav told him, "Well, if you if you did a real deep dive and you so you, you took on kabbalas that were appropriate based on your personality, things you were working on, so then work on one of those." So he said, "Well." I already worked on those, you know, that everything, all of my Kabbalahs from previous years I've taken upon myself, and I'm, uh, I'm doing those, and now I'm looking for something to work on for this year. The Rebbe thought for a second, he looked at him, and he said, I think that you should be giving me advice for how I should I be acting in Elul. So over here, most of us, though, Halavai, we should get out of Yom Naram and Sukkot. By the time we get to Cheshvan, we should even remember in a real way what our Kabbalahs were. So he says, I didn't even get anywhere. Where did my entire year go? After the entire year, I'm basically stuck back working on the same things that I was working on last year, two years ago, more. It seems that he's not being successful, so why even try? What we're going to do is we're going to have a shift in perspective. And when we shift in perspective, we can then revisit this question and we'll see that a lot of the things that are holding us back are based on a uninformed or a misplaced a perspective and after a reframe we will go back and then we're going to have a uh, be able to develop a proper approach to this to this time and to our avoda and it'll give us chiyos then we can focus on the rachmim on the mercy of HaKadosh Baruch and we will develop a cheshek for these days and we're going to be inspired by a closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And especially during these days, there's such tremendous access. will be a tremendous amount of Kenyan. In these days, and with the closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, generally speaking, it will be able to brim over and carry over into the rest of the year. And we're going to, uh, we're going to start with Paragraph Aleph.
The essence of tshuva is to return to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to Rebbein Shalayim. What is the biggest challenge? What's what's standing in our way during Elul? We've just been talking about how unbelievably special Elul is, how much access we have, and yet there's something that seems to be dragging us down, something that doesn't allow us it should be the easiest thing in the world. On one hand, there is an objective right and wrong. We have a Shulchan Aruch, we have the Halacha, we have all the things that we really know that we should be doing and all the things we know that we shouldn't be doing. And therefore, as a starting point, it's, it's nice to say, well, we're going to work up. I'm going to do a little bit, and it's going to be valuable in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. On the other hand, if there's Yom Hadin, so before we even get into any of the extras or we get into any of the, the places where there might be a little bit of slack in the system, there's a clear starting point to work backwards from. And therefore, our notion of what El should be is to do 100%. Right? If you had an employment review, you had certain obligations, you had certain expectations, you're expected to do your job. We're in this world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us life, we have a Torah, we have a Shulchan Aruch, we're expected to be to do exactly our job. And anything less than that, we might have justifications, we might have excuses. Now, the part of the problem is that that may not be realistic. So there's going to be, this is this is a major rub. If this is how you look at the tshuva process and this is how you look at Elul and our job, then we are setting ourselves up to always not be good enough. And that has tremendous consequences. And at the outset, until we, you know, as we unfold this, it's not entirely wrong. On one hand, it's easy to say, we're not being graded on what we accomplish. It's just that those goals are simply defining the measure of where or the direction in terms of where we're supposed to be putting our efforts. We're actually being judged on our efforts. So as long as I'm trying my hardest, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give it. If I try 100% of my hardest, then I will get 100% of my schar. I won't get punished. And even though I might be doing a virus, right? Maybe is there a difference between things that are actually usher and mutter or things I could be doing? But I, I'll, I'm going to get full credit because I tried my hardest regardless of the fact that it, that I just didn't accomplish it. On the other hand, if you a person went to a doctor or an engineer to build a building and they said, I tried my hardest, that would not even enter into the conversation. You would say, you have now just explained why you, you're not in my, uh, in, in my view, range of consideration. If your hardest is going to be not good enough because the medical procedure is not going to be performed. The building is going to be built with a faulty foundation. And therefore, to the extent that we look at our thoughts, actions, um, words, mitzvahs, averis, everything in this world as having spirit, being spiritual realities and spiritual consequences, then there are going to be actual real spiritual world effects to things that we do. And less than 100% might simply not be acceptable. And this is something that we have to uh, unpack. Now, if we look at note 24, we start to address this point now. The idea of the result is not in the hands of Adam. If we want to own the result, so this is this is going to be the first the first step towards undoing part of the viewpoint that we just expressed, meaning I 
Hakadosh Baruch Hu, there's there's two things. One idea is my avoda, what what I do, and obviously what I as I take a step back and I have to define my avoda. There's going to be the straight, you know, shulchan aruch, and there's also going to be I'm going to be somewhat reactive. I'm going to look at myself, my strengths and my weaknesses. I'm going to look at the situation at hand. I'm going to see what I should be doing in terms of other avoda aside from just the black and white, the black letter law. Whether or not that accomplishes things, I mean, this is super clear when it comes to to uh, to issues that require other people to respond in a certain way. If a Rebbe does everything that the Rebbe should do based on his class and a kid, their home situation, their level of interest, the, they have spring fever, just don't respond. That Rebbe will get 100% credit. If a doctor did everything he can to save a life, he get, he will get credit, presumably, for doing the acts of saving a life. If the doctor is negligent and the life gets saved, or alternatively, the doctor does everything he should and the person dies, well, there's a million reasons that could happen. So once we start to take accountability for the result, then we enter into other territory because those results are simply not something that we can actually own. We can use it at de- depending, we have to be honest with ourselves, the, there are going to be results. If the reason that the result wasn't accomplished is because we didn't do our obligation, then we have to own that result. But in and of itself, the shlameless is not something that we can that, that we are responsible for. As I'm appeal, there's really two systems. One is our avoda, what we need to accomplish as individuals, and there's, a, there's something accomplished from that. There's another thing in terms of the master plan of where the world is going, and then there's a third thing where those two systems, which would seem to be parallel, are integrated so that the result comes about through human action. The uh, I heard one time, I think from Yitzhak Berkowitz, or it might have been maybe Gerald Schroeder, so I think one of the speakers on the Aish website, okay, different right, different speakers, that Mordechai tells Esther, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to save the Jews. Look at the situation. You are in a uniquely suited position to go into the king. If you go in, then fine. Who, who is to say? They didn't know for sure. I think the who is to say that this is not why you became a queen? Here you have this, this Orthodox Jewish girl who became queen. Who's to say that this is not why? If you go in, then there is a system. God is saving the Jews. The Jews are not going to get destroyed. That much is part of the system. If you choose to jump on that train, you're mavatla yourself to the cause, then you are now going to be an extension of that, and you and your family will be remembered forever. If you don't go in, you'll get all the schar in the world for all of the mitzvahs that you accomplished. However, you're not going to become an extension of that eternal plan. This is contrasted with another story where you have Pliny Almoni, which roughly is translated as, as hey you. You have another person in the story of Rus that it seemed could have taken the initiative and married Rus how had he wanted. And we know that Mashiach, David Melach, came from Rus, his great-great-grandmother. Had Pliny Almoni taken the initiative and married Rus, then he would have, the Mashiach would have come from him. Instead, for various reasons, he might have been a very hush of a person, he might have got a lot of schar and oilam haba. However, when he decided not to get on that train, he goes down and forever we know him as Pliny Almoni. And Boaz took the initiative and he was, he married Rus, and uh, uh, I believe that the next morning he was Nifter, but that night is the night that Rus conceived, and forever and ever and ever, Boaz is the great grandfather of David HaMelech, and ultimately Mashiach. The, in line with that, 
we have to understand that our job is to find ourselves within this universal system, and that's this, that's what gives us significance. Uh, the, the I saw it brought down also that Esther. It says that Esther never told Achashverosh where she came from. One perhaps suggested reason is, had she told Achashverosh or had she made public that she was a Jew, then the Jews, instead of relying on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, would have relied on her. And if the Jews would have relied on her, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu would say, this entire system is brought about in order for you to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If now you're relying on Esther, well then the simplest system, the answer to that is going to be to take Esther out of the picture. And nobody wanted that. So Esther understood this and she did not want the Jews to come to rely on her. She wanted to be part of that system, but that the system was the the project, the, initiative, the goal at hand was for the, to bring the people to rely to do tshuva on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, he says something tremendous over here. He says, A person thinks that I'm responsible for the results. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu does us a very special favor. You think that your hishtadlus is directly what causes you to make parnasa? In other words, what's parnasa? If you do every, you wash the dishes, and I will give you a reward. You clean your room, I'll take you to a baseball game. Is there any direct connection? The direct connection is that you gave me nachas, you did what I asked you to do, and therefore I'm going to give you a reward. Now, we, we just said a second ago that the mitzvahs do have, the Eilam Habba is made up of the mitzvahs. There are real real world consequences to the mitzvahs. There's spiritual realities. But let's just take a step back and address it a little bit higher level for a second. HaKadosh Baruch Hu set up a system and he provided a structure whereby we can get reward and punishment and and Baruch who's going to give us the the, the ultimate taiv and reward for which he, he doesn't have to give us reward. We're Avdei Hashem. We're obligated. We're not entitled to reward. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave us eyes. We don't. We use our eyes and we don't look at things we're not supposed to look at. Hakadosh Baruch Hu doesn't owe us in a in a world where there's direct consequences. If a person wouldn't use their resources in the right way, the resources would get directly taken taken away from them. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu does this present for us. Now, if a person, let's say, does they they work for twenty dollars an hour, they work for five hours, and they make hundred dollars. There's a direct correlation there. Did that come from a Kaddish Baruch Hu? I guess, but at the end of the day, I did something direct. I nailed the hammer into the wood, and now the wood, the two pieces of wood are connected. That's direct. A person could come to think that the results are based on him. So you know what favor Hashem does for us? A person thinks that they're responsible for the results. As I'm appealing, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to make it that it's going to fail. You have to understand, your hishtadlus is not the cause of the result. It's the fulfillment of your chiyuv hishtadlus, and then and then the result comes about. So it's direct, because Hashem says, at least on a communal level, if you do what you're supposed to do, so there's a, a cause and an effect there, but the cause and effect is that we did our chiyuv hishtadlus, and therefore the result comes about, not because we decided that we were going to do X and X causes Y, and we're going to factor God out of the picture, and in order to bring that into our forefront of our mind, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sometimes give us the gift of making sure that the results either won't work out or won't work out as a direct cause of what we're trying to do. You know, it's gonna in the name you're, you're gonna sacrifice Hakadosh Baruch Hu on the altar of Frumkite. The person is gonna do all of the right things, and they're gonna uh, they're gonna own their positive things. I want to learn. I want to daven. I, I, I. And by the time they're done with all of the I, 
all of a sudden they forgot that a Kodesh Baruch Hu is in the picture, they're going to become a Balgaiva, and now outwardly, sometimes it's worse, forget about outwardly to other people, even to themselves, they don't even realize that they've totally factored a Kodesh Baruch Hu out of the Avoda, and there's no Kir Vaselakim. El Hashem is Baruch Roitze, Shinabados, Omitoch Lev Pnimi, Ayhev, Omitoch Hakar, Hashem is Baruch Hu, Nois and Kayach Lasus Chayel, Kamayim Rachazal, El Malay, Kodesh Baruch Hu, Azra and Yachal. So, Kodesh Baruch Hu wants that we serve him. And it, it, it's a very hard, what we're talking about, we're setting up a lot of issues before we develop an actual approach to Elo, but these are very real issues. It's very difficult to be working on somebody else's initiative. The real way to be Meiser Nefesh is to take it personally, to realize the MS, to integrate it, to internalize it. On the other hand, then it's very difficult not to own your own success. It's a, it's a, it's a very fine balance because you do want to take pride. You know, I, a couple of years ago, I was learning with somebody, we finished a Masechta, move on. And I was having a discussion with him. If you, know, if you do any other accomplishment in the world, you made a project, you built something carpentry related, you won a sports game, you jog a marathon, you would be telling everybody in the world. Subconsciously, if you just make this like, oh, okay, we move on, what you're really saying is that this does not rate on my level of accomplishment. This is a tremendous accomplishment. You put in a tremendous, tremendous amount of effort. On the other hand, when you come to own that, then you're, there's that tension that we're describing. So now, if we're saying, we have to keep in mind that the results are not what we're responsible for. It could be that the results are what dictate our path. But ultimately, we say at the end of Yom Kippur, he rots in That's on a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The results are up to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We just define our avoda by, you know, which fork in the road, looking past that. So what is the idea of tshuva? If it's not to do all of the right things, I mean, is it fake? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say how much I want to do the right thing, but I don't really have to do the right thing. It's to return to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. We don't know what that means yet. Person has to believe they have to live a life the, the, the same way that you open up. There's a certain closeness. If a person is married, a person has children, a person has parents, that even if you're not necessarily thinking about them all the time, those relationships will define what you do. The way that you relate to other people or other situations in life is going to totally be defined by these relationships, even if they are not top of mind. If a person has a opportunity to go out and uh, casually have a good time, if they are a married person, uh, let alone members of the opposite gender, they're obviously not dating. If a person is single and they're dating, then they, they might relate to other people as uh, other uh, women as being eligible for them. If a person is married, they relate to that entirely differently. If a person, uh, if co- co-workers will ask him to go out and he has family obligations at home, then by going out casually with friends, he's also giving something up on the other end. We've mentioned in a different context, people talk about freedom. One person's freedom is another person's obligation. I think the example that we gave is if I am free to, let's say, smoke cigarettes in public, then and you're obligated to let me, and then that it's going to disturb your air cleanliness, your air purity. If you're able to stop me, then that means I'm not free to do it. If you're free to listen to music in a dormitory room, I'm, and I'm then I'm obligated to let you. If I can have you shut it off, then you're not free to do what you want. In life, there's always there's always a tension. There's no there's no such thing as doing something that doesn't have a a, a give on the other end. 
if we live in a structure where HaKadosh Baruch Hu is real, is present, it's, it's like gravity, right? In other words, even if it's, you're not thinking about that, these considerations, this relationship, this altitude of consciousness works its way into every area of life. We'll get later on to the objective truths and the halachas and the things that you have to be doing and how could this how could this be true? How could I live with Hashem and say that I'm not being perfect? We'll have to get to that. But let's first take a step back and just talk about relationship, but not relationship in terms of feeling warm and fuzzy, relationship with reality of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The way that we go about this, the way that we exercise on this has to be looking back at our life and saying, I did things that are incompatible with reality that are going to have consequences. And once I truly internalize that, that will yield harata. I did something that impacted a personal relationship that I have with somebody. I can go on with them. They're my business partner. They're my loved ones. But I don't know how I'm going to get past this dis- this betrayal. There's now a distrust there. I regret whatever I gained from that couldn't possibly be worth it. So there will be a harata and there will be a practical part of truth and maisim that are a necessary part of the tshuva process. But that's not necessarily the ikr, that's the kiyam. But that's not what we're talking about when we say tshuva, it's to return to the reality of living with Hashem. Which we just described. So when we're now focusing on getting ready for Elul, we'll focus afterwards on the kiyam and the practical parts of tshuva. Let's just focus on what tshuva is. Because if you're looking at the symptom and not the cause, and you're not holding by it, then there's going to be a bit of a disconnect. And if you're not feeling like that relationship-wise, imagine a person is on the moon. They don't live with gravity, the example that I used. And I give them just a lot of rules about where they have to put things and this and that. All of those rules go away. I'm not giving you a thousand rules that you can't remember and hold by. Once you just put into system gravity where this is just the way that things work, this is how things are going to fall, this is how things are going to stay, this is going to be the status quo of everything in your life. It's not a thousand rules. It's one reality that now is the context for everything that you do. That works, like we said, in terms of relationships, right? It works. Math is hard. Okay, well, if you are a... Uh, an engineer and you work with certain principles in physics, I know nothing about engineering, by the way, it's not a bunch of little rules. I'm not just trying to be uh, detail-oriented. I'm telling you there's a, there's a thousand wrong answers, but maybe there's one right answer. This is how it has to be put together to maintain the integrity of the structure. That Using that guiding principle, nothing. Is, it, we're not all over the place. Now, you look back where there were mistakes, and those do have to be fixed, but that's a uh, a outgrowth of one principle of true reality. The one principle that we're working on, Shuva, is living with HaKadosh Baruch When we sinned, we distance ourselves from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And now we live with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We feel Him. Couple of footnotes. Footnote Chavhei. What does it mean that when a person sinned, they went far away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Now, this is important also, perhaps even the most important. When we work on a closeness with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and this is one-sided. Hashem, this, uh, in a situation where people are blessed with, with loved ones, 
sometimes when the loved one, let's say a person's child, is has taken a little bit of a left turn, they're going in the wrong direction, that closeness and the pain of the distance is actually much more clear and present in the mind, the heart of the father than when things were just smooth sailing. When, uh, when uh, a kid is riding a bicycle, when the, let's say the, the father is holding on to the seat, a little bit of a different point, but similar, then maybe he's looking at his phone, he's talking to somebody else, the kid's not going to fall. When he takes his hand and he moves an inch away and the kid feels like they're in darkness, the father has a 100% attention on that bicycle seat because if they see even a little bit, then the father is going to correct it, take corrective action so that the kid doesn't fall too far. HaKadosh Baruch who is incredibly involved, not only despite the darkness, but perhaps even more in the darkness. The darkness is mitzidenu. That applies in general, like let's say the bike seat, that's not even talking in terms of Avera, but the, even when the kid is doing wrong, the, the, the father is very focused, maybe to, again, take corrective action, maybe not direct, maybe the kid would rebel, he would resent it if the father got too involved and therefore he has to arrange maybe you know a certain situation to help the kid be inspired. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mitzad Hashem, as it were, Kivayachal, is incredibly involved, focused, and loving us as much more, however you want to say it, when when we seem to be in a period of darkness and seem to be doing the wrong thing. The closeness is mitzad us. What we are working on is making ourselves into a kli and receptive. Kaddish Baruch Hu is calling us. We have to pick up the phone. What, that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the gift of tshuva. The, the Chazal tell us that tshuva is one, of the, is one of the things that was created before the world. Within real world consequences, so to speak, or fake world consequences, this world consequences, once something is broke, it can't be fixed. Tshuva goes deeper than that. The system of the uh, of the, the world had a tafkid. Part of that tafkid is brought about. Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us gave us a taira. We have to keep the taira, which means we have bechira. We have scharva einesh. And if we can do the wrong thing, and there's going to be consequence of avera, Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave us tshuva to make the system work. The world it was built against the backdrop of a certain tafkid, uh, of a tachlis, of a point of the world. Tshuva is part of that system. So it goes deeper. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the gift of tshuva so that we can fulfill our purpose individually and ultimately the purpose of the world. I think everybody can acknowledge that a person that has a status quo of a relationship and then there is a distance and then the they come back together. A person that breaks something and has to fix it, it's not just restoring the status quo of the way that it was originally. There's a much different, deeper relationship there. Of course, there's also something that was lost. Nobody says that we want to sin so that we can do tshuva, chas v'shalom. The, the, the Ramam t- discusses a person that says, echta v'ashuv. And a person that sins, let's say they look at something that they shouldn't have, instead of, let's say, never having exposed themselves to certain types of toma, even though, yes, they will have worked on themselves and they'll have a much deeper relationship in certain ways after having totally cleansed themselves. On the other hand, they're not going to be in the same status of Tahara. There is a blemish there. So, on one hand, are not standing there. On the other hand, you know what? There's certain things that Tzad Gamur can accomplish that a person that has sinned can't accomplish. It's just a different place, it's a different avoda. And in Tzadik Baruch Hashelo Yechta, everybody has certain places in life, Mertashem, where they are at Tzadik Gamur, and there are certain places where we're going to be about Tshuva. But Tshuva is part of this process. 
individually, collectively, as a sign for the Yetzirah to come along and say, HaKadosh Baruch is not looking at you, you can't do tshuva. We have to get that totally out of our mindset as though really everything is just plan B. I should have been perfect. Now that I distanced myself, I can't come back. We have to understand that there is a certain ecosystem that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created. Part of that system is tshuva. This was contemplated before the world was created. Not even get into the idea of like, you know, chet risha and everything is plan B. What if Adam Rishon wouldn't have sinned? Let's leave all of that aside. We live in a world where we have a gift of tshuva that transcends anything else that we could possibly imagine as a consequence. And tshuva not only will fix it, but can actually bring us to a state of even a greater closeness than beforehand and it's a privilege and it's an opportunity and it should light us up once we're in a situation where we could, where we have to do tshuva and not even just for an Avera, by the way. A person could do tshuva and tshuva ala tshuva and a person could do tshuva that they went uh, that they went in the wrong way and they could do tshuva that they, that, that they can get even more in the right way at their new heightened level of understanding when they realized how much more they could have accomplished. So tshuva is a tremendous opportunity. We're up to... Perak base. Okay. Kol tshuva. Anybody can do tshuva. Mele lasso tshuva is that kol kach pashut. It seems based on what we're saying that tshuva is really relatively simple. The idea of being perfect and changing my actions and we'll have to figure out what kind of kabbalah should I take? What kind of action should I change? How much should I worry about that is all secondary. The idea of realigning myself with the truth, go listen to some shiurim, make chesh ben nefesh, work on it, have the right friends, and align my life with, uh, with that perspective doesn't seem that hard, especially if intellectually you believe that this is actually the truth. We don't really have an option. Let's look at the footnote one second because it's an important one. We're on page Memdalad, by the way. People don't want to use this approach to tshuva and to tell people how simple it is. It, 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 there's a very fine line between what we're discussing where a person says... Okay, so if Averis chas v'shalom to say, but the, the, this is a distortion of this. So the Avera itself is not really the biggest deal. Everybody's going to sin anyway. Even if I sin, let me not worry about it. When I go into relationship building mode, I'll worry about it then. For now, okay, I'll sin. It, it, it's very difficult. On the other hand, if a person says, I'm going to be perfect starting tomorrow, Tefastim Rubalot Tefasta, you can't justify a virus. So we'll have to figure out what to do there, but it's a dangerous approach. Or people just stop, they won't do proper tshuva. I, I'm, I'm warm, I'm fuzzy, I love Hashem. I'm sitting around with guitars, or I'm just going to talk about, I'm going to learn Musr's Farim. Okay, Shulchan Aruch is very dry. I'm going to learn all day. I'm going to learn things that make me feel lit up. That's not either a, uh, a viable approach. They'll think that that's enough. If you spend all of your time reading physics books, okay? The Torah is not an instruction manual per se, and it's not a feel-good, and it's not telling us what's right. It's a book of the physics, spiritual physics. It's telling us the makeup of the actual world. If you spend all of your time and you can spout out all of the formulas, equal MC squared, whatever else there is out there, and yet you don't incorporate that into your life, it's, you can remember fire is hot, but you don't do anything differently based on that. You're still going to reach out and touch that pot that's super hot. You're going to 
get burnt. It means that you don't really relate to the dveikus of Hashem. You don't really, you haven't really adapted yourself into the ruts and Hashem and the reality, uh, and Hashem's reality. On the other hand, that is what tshuva. We have to understand tshuva is the relate the, the relationship building. So yes, a person that doesn't present this properly can run into problems, and the entire tshuva will not be real, and it's going to be undermined, and it won't go anywhere. But on the other hand, to not work with this at all, you're de- you're definitely doomed for failure. And he goes on and he says, the fact that people might distort things, people always might distort things and misrepresent them. We can't account for that. However, a person has to know that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is Baich and Klai's Filei Hashem knows what's really going on on the inside. And there's no, uh, there's no, there's no shortcuts. You can't get out of this. It has to be real. Back in the text, Pashat Lavo Hashem is Baruch Velomer Lo Abba to Isi. Azavti Yishcha Hakav Ma'Ribanish Lo Abba. Right, talked uh, was talking to somebody yesterday. We said looking for something to do. So I suggested start off. You need something to rally around. Take a minimum just to do it. Start off a minimum of sixty seconds a day. Sixty seconds. Do it a couple times a day for sixty seconds. Talk to Hashem in your own words. So I said, should I say the same thing every day? I said if you call your loved one, you call your father. Do you say the same thing every day? It says, right, like it says, uh, like Rabbi Yochanan the Gemara, Halavai, that you should treat a Kaddish Baruch Hu like a Messer Melech Basar Vadam. Go to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, thank him for certain things in your day, make requests, requests in your life, requests, Ruchnius requests, nothing, so whatever it is, you pick up, you're texting people a thousand times a day, you're calling people a thousand times a day. Talk to Hashem in your own in your own words for sixty seconds a day. Just build a relationship with Hashem as a reality. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu, oh, so he says, a person goes and he says, Abba Ta'isi, just go to Hashem and say, Abba, I made a mistake. Azavti Yishcha, I went away from things that I know are the right thing to do, and I know in how the way that we've described, not just the right thing to do, it's the only thing to do. The fact that there's another way is Ba'etzim a facade, and I will pay the price. It's not actually a viable option. When if the Yitzhar of Ashabani Mishkart Ba'odim and Star Ma'id, Vanikvaroyasha Yitzhar Huklum Gomer, I now understand that everything else is just a facade. Varak Rao Mar Yesh Lamisha Hoyla Chachra Vaini Chafet Bo Yoser, Aini Chafet Bo Yoser, that's not what I desire. Abba, my father, Ani Chaiser Lacha Bacholibi, I return to you with my entire heart, desire, emotion. My my uh, personality. Omeyomani Rak Shalcha, and I belong to you. Meyoma Lev Shali. I mean, this is very emotional. I have to read, read, read this paragraph 10 times. From today, my heart belongs to, your, to you. I don't have any other desires and wants. And my ratzon is to live with you. I want to live with you as my reality. And I'm going to do my best to the utmost of where I'm holding, and every, every day we'll get a little closer, to live in your ways according to whatever I can do. Think about a father. If a kid would go to the father, no matter what he did, and he would literally say these words with tears in his eyes, or not tears in his eyes, but 100% sincerity. It doesn't have to be water tears. And 100% sincerity, the father would close his eyes, put everything else aside, all of the little things that are just totally irritating, and he would squeeze that kid with a hug that you cannot even imagine. Afterwards, we'll work together and we'll clean up all the mistakes. Okay? That hug, that moment, 
That is tshuva. Now, the kin, if the kid turns around and he just engages in the same type of behavior and out of sight, out of mind, then that means that, that that was a facade. That was not a real moment. The tshuva has to be real. But that's the tshuva. Give me your heart. Once a person makes an absolute decision and commitment to, to turn to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and he he feels a pain of a deep disappointment of his own actions and where he was holding. So now, after that, that's Elul. By the way, that's Rosh Hashanah in terms of Kabbalah's Omach Hashemayim. Now it's a problem that Averis have real-world consequences, real spiritual and physical world consequences, real everything consequences, and those have to be cleaned up. So the question that we started off with is that Yom Kippur should come before Rosh Hashanah, so we should be Zayich Abedin. It's totally the opposite. When the when Yom Kippur is our actions, that's who we are, that's not about what Yom Kippur is. Yom Kippur is after we go through an Elul, and after we go through a Rosh Hashanah, and we define this closeness, and we take upon ourselves Omar Hashemayim, now we're a totally different person. Right? I'm not the rebel. I'm totally 100% loyal. Uh, the, the me, the, the person that did those Averis was not me. It's not me anymore. Uh, it's not even something I relate to. I can't even imagine how I had a desire for those things. Right? That, and now, Yom Kippur, everything is, the, all the baggage can be dropped. And now, I never sinned. That person sinned. I, I'm responsible for that person. That was that, that was me the other day. So now I'm the one who's responsible to clean that up. But as far as me now, I'm a totally different person. I didn't sin. For sure, I have to. I have to do that. It's my responsibility to clean that up and clean that up yesterday from what I did and clean up my mysim that I still am doing. Maybe some of it's hergal. Maybe some of it's habit. Right? I can't stay with the mysim. I can't realize the way that the world works like we said physics heat cold i got into a habit where i was uh, burning things down if i continue with that behavior then i'm not really holding by understanding what fire is i did and you returned and shem is happy but the bottom line is, is that there's certain things that got messed up. I love you. I'm going to let you into the room. You're going to hug the king, but you're dirty. And now, 100%, we're cleaned up. We're on good terms. But you got to clean up before you come give the king a hug. It doesn't mean that you could walk into the inner sanctum all filthy like that. And this is going to affect your behavior. Now, I, I, I gave you the miracle of just taking you and putting you, allowing you to reestablish yourself. However, there now the, 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 is where the work's going to start. For sure, the kid is going to be very careful not to rebel against the father. Just going into note 28 for a second, third paragraph. You're looking for a Kabbalah that's going to be in line and fit with this this idea that we're discussing. You know what kind of Kabbalah has to be in Yonim Not just arbitrary thou shalt and thou shalt not. And when we're talking about a Kabbalah, we're talking about something that is in the context of the tshuva that we're discussing. It's it, it's going to be 
be a manifestation and it's going to bring out lemaisa this tshuva. So besides for the charata on the averus, when we're talking about kabbalas, it has to be something that is in line with the tshuva process. And that's how it's going to last. This is really what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants. This is what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is, is, is yearning for, that his children should come back. And therefore, the Kabbalists it, the Kabbalah is not about being on our own terms. This is what I think is a greatness. The Kabbalah is about the relationship coming close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's the Kabbalah. Hashem wants that we should yearn for Him. A thirst. What's a thirst? When a person is not thirsty, they could drink Coca-Cola and it'll taste very delicious. But water is not going to appeal to them. When a person's really thirsty, only water can quench that thirst. There's a void there that has to be filled. There's a void there. We have a shtaikukas, a thirst for a Kaddish Baruch Hu, for this relationship. In Maisen B'Payel, if Kayachai, and this is... Uh, this is going to be, uh, according to his kayach, this is going to have to develop into his real world life. Now, he, okay, he goes on. If the if the Kabbalahs are not in this vein, um, they're on the person's, I guess, own terms, or especially if they're lofty things, things that are not going to affect a real change. You know, if you have something and you bend it too hard, then one of two things happen. Either it snaps directly back into place or it breaks. As a person does tshuva, the point of the Kabbalah is to cultivate this, uh, to both be, a, I guess, simon and siva, right? But in other words, it, it's to develop this idea of tshuva the way that we're describing. And a person that does something that's outside of his realm, it's outside of that immediate, like, you know, surrounding thing that he relates to and also with this goal in mind, he's actually not going to, it's not going to be lasting and he's not going to be successful. Once we understand the point of Kabbalah's, not just to be Meister Nefesh and do something crazy, but the, not to say that there's not a Mokom sometimes to go out of one's zone of comfort, but when you understand the Kabbalah's in this context, it, it, it has to be something that makes sense. It has to be something that's going to be towards keeping a Kodesh Baruch Hu top of mind and relationship-based, and this is a world that I'm living on, and it also has to be something that's going to stick, which means that a person has to take a Kabbalah that's, it could be so small, something that's even small that the Yitzhar is not even going to go after. I'm going to put away one sitter a day. I don't know if that's this type of thing, but the point is it has to be something so small that's going to be in this line, not something that's going to take over and shift the focus uh, outside of this uh, of this area into just, you know, details and maizim and being perfect. There's a makom also to work on perfection of one's maizim and doing mitzvahs in the most beautiful way, but this is the focus of our piece right now about the idea of tshuva and kabbalas in this context. This is tshuva, it's a relationship, it's building a relationship, it's building a world where we live with HaKadosh Baruch Hu Gimel. Okay, somebody said that I should take a breath in between paragraphs, so if somebody's listening, then they would be able to press pause, come back later. Tshuva... A person, a person comes and they, they they say, "I wish I could do better." You know, this bothers me. And if that leads to atzvus, so let's take a step back. Even by the way, what's the alternative? You don't wish that you were. Nobody's perfect. Is the alternative that you don't wish that you were doing better? A person who's already engaged in this process, by the way, they're rat, they're trying to to develop this approach. That alone is a cause for simcha. That's already step one. 
tshuva is a cause for simcha, and it's not a cause for atzvus, which is just going to, to to lead to yish and lethargy, and the person is not going to develop. This is a, this is going to be a process. It is necessary to have simcha and tshuva. tshuva in barach. I'm going, I have a meeting with my father. I did things I shouldn't have done, and I'm going to get the tightest hug in the world. I have not yet cleaned myself off. I have not yet ready to move forward and enter into the Kodesh Kadashim. Right, right now, it's literally just about I'm going to come and just with the utmost sincerity approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu and tell him my life is off. I was living with with within a facade i understand that that there's a tachlis in the world that that's reality it's for my benefit hakadosh baruch who loves me the entire world is designed around principles of ms and i took a left turn it wasn't i was ruining myself i was ruining the world i was ruining my family i was ruining my relationships and even though there seemed to be some sort of a temporary incentive and pleasure there was zero good there, and I, I can't even with these with these principles in mind. I can't even understand what it was that I thought was was the allure. Tshuva is to return to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Avinu shabashemayim. What greater simcha is that than when the sun comes back? He has to request forgiveness. He has to act appropriately. But at that moment, when he's coming and he's about to, he was scared that he wasn't going to get accepted, let's say, and he's about to approach into that tight embrace, there is no, everything else melts away and just totally disappears. We're not taking away the idea that charata over a virus is a chelik and tshuva. This is the consequence of tshuva. But that is not the focus. And if you start there and you make that the entire focus, then you might have the outer trappings without the tshuva itself. Which, you know, it's, it's interesting. When you think about that as a actual real-world consequence of tshuva, you don't have to worry about it too much because if you do the first part, then the next part necessarily follows. If you truly relationship build in the way that we're describing and you realign your goals and your, your, your statement, your, your mission statement of reality, then that will necessarily result in a, uh, in a chesh ben anefesh and action items. However, if you just start with a bunch of action items, you know, going back to our example earlier, you, if you develop one mission statement and one truth, there might be a thousand outgrowths of that. But if you start with a thousand outgrowths of it, a lot of things are going to fall in the cracks and you're not, you might even resent it. It's not going to be in line with what you're holding. And you might not ever actually even come back to real tshuva. So okay. If if it's a real emotional issue, then the kid is for sure going to feel bad what he did wrong. If you want to know if the kid really appreciates what he did wrong, if the kid doesn't really uh, understand what he did wrong, then there's a gap in terms of the the emotional part of it and his his understanding about 
what, what led him to do these Averis in the first place, that he wasn't living with the relationship, that he wasn't living in the reality of Tyra, of Elohim Chayim, of Eitz Chayim. If the person continues going in the wrong way or he doesn't regret that he caused this tremendous, that there's a, that there's a crack in the foundation and it's because he, was, he, he, he just didn't want to do things the right way, then there's something, if he doesn't have harat about that, he doesn't realize it, then there's something lacking in the tshuva itself. That will come about in the process. Tshuva has to be a process. The desire, what's going to light you up, what's going to cause that hasayrus, is actually Attaching to your source, your essence of life, your actual purpose in life, and the, the, the lining up the cleats so that you can receive, uh, that you can be on the receiving end of that relationship and not cut off, that is, there's nothing, there's no greater simcha than that. On the note over here, he says, even if a person is crying, the crying can lead to atzvahs. Okay. We're going into the, the house of the inner chamber of the king. What is greater than to have this connection and this attachment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And he says something pretty incredible over here, just in the bottom left of the page by the footnote. What's the simon that a person did tshuva karai? Specifically that he's besimcha. When a person gets that hug, when a person is holding there, and they just have this sense of, of satisfaction, of menuchas nefesh, that everything fits, the truth is that they're almost excited to work on themselves. So as much as they have a charata, the simcha is actually the overwhelming emotion. Paragraph Dalid, Elul avoda kalo bahira. Elul is an easy avoda. Omeila avoidas chaydash elul hi koi bahira v'kala. Now the task in uh, the task in in front of us is accessible. His heart, where we're holding, and to come to an absolute decision. So I now live with Hashem. So I come to a decision. I'm holding in a different place. Again, we're going to have to do the things to be mekayim that. Nobody's asking you to be a malach. That's not the expectation for you to be an angel. You're not there. You're not there yet. This is a work in progress. So now we take a step back. Okay, what? Where am I holding? I'm holding at, at, at this tremendous, unbelievable closeness of realigning my my truths. I'm realigning my ambitions. I'm realigning my my mission statement and my relationship and how I want to live. What does that mean? That it has to mean something that fits with where I'm holding. How do I define that? I define that by uh, you know long term. There's a fork in the road. I make the first step, which might only be a centimeter to the right, based on where I'm going. I'm going towards Shlemus. I'm going towards Dal Chelkeshochanarch. But as I go through this process, it's 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 where I'm holding. Hashem knows whether I'm being truthful with myself. Again, to the extent that that's at all an excuse, then it's not going to work. And a person can't not be moister about nefesh about anything. There's no way to break ceilings without uh, without hitting your head once in a while, right? There will be uh, successes and failures, and sometimes there's going to be very difficult roads ahead. But that road is defined by where a person is. 
who kvar makobov ratzay. That's when Hakadosh Baruch Hu takes him in, and we say he ratzon shleyechta. It should be your will that I'm not going to sin because. I'm not holding by an absolute statement of never making a mistake and never sinning. The result is based on a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The immediate effort that's going to define my Hishtadlos is based on where I'm holding. That is going to be the Iker Din based on my Avoda and whether I am approaching my Avoda and my Taira and Mitzvahs. That is, that is the Iker Din. Now, listen, if you ended up making a mess, then there's going to be a mess that has to deal, get dealt with. There will be a din on the maisim, the maisim in general, and also the maisim that, that, that you do. Even if you try to do everything right, now all of a sudden something happened. So part of that process is recognizing the Torah as a reality and going through one's maisim. Now, I know I keep on harping on this point um, that saying that I'm doing perfect according to what I'm doing does not mean that there is not the Dalai Lamas of Halacha. And it doesn't mean that we can at all use as an excuse, I'm not holding there yet. Having said that, we are focused now on how to achieve to get ever closer to Shlemus. And that process, not only is it uh, not, not only is it not reasonable for us to ju- just be perfect on day one, it actually won't work. A person that takes one step at a time will get someplace. A person that climbs a ladder run way, wrong at a time will get someplace. A person that just jumps as high as they can will seem to be holding. If you take a snapshot in time, they'll seem to be holding at a certain height, but they're just going to fall a second later, and they, they certainly can't build on that. So, yes, in as much as we are moving towards Shlemus, and that is, we, we want to be doing everything that our Kaddish Baruch Hu wants us to do, the actual way to get there is to be evaluating where we're holding and to be going step by step. The last two chapters, Elul, the Dalsois HaMelech Psuchos, the door is being open, and then bring it all together, the Sikum Hadvarim Lemaisa, uh, I'm just going to put in a stop the recording and then put it into a separate recording. That way, for people listening, it's not overly long. Although an hour, I guess, is already good. But this is uh, this is this is olive base. This is this is reframing. This is the way that we're going to go into Elul, and we will uh, we'll go on. Let's see if we can do some of the other pieces as well. For people who are, I, I'm going to get back to Likut Maran. I'm going to try to mix this in a little bit also. I know that many people learn Tyre Vav, so those are posted, uh, I think, in three parts as well as the Kitzer. So let's uh, let's work together and, and hopefully gain some perspective going to Ewell in some way that we can get Hisiris from and uh, develop a meaningful plan of action.